Welcome to your one-stop shop for gaming, gadgets, video games, anime, comic books, and anything else you can think of. It is the GeekSpeak Report at speakgeekspeak.com, hosted by Ian Levenstein and a co-host which has yet to be named. It is time for the GeekSpeak Co-Host Challenge. Joining us for today's episode is Brent Casina, regular co-host of Comic Timing. Here we are with GeekSpeak Report, Episode 3. Hey there, everybody. My name is Ian Levenstein, and welcome to the GeekSpeak Report. I guess we'll call it Episode 3. The last episode came out, I'd say, just about a year ago. So this is pretty much on track of about one a year, which is about as many rogues galleries I put out once upon a time for Comic Timing. Now, this is going to be a special episode if you've listened to GeekSpeak uh, feed lately, or if you listened to the last episode of Comic Timing, you found out about it, or even if you're on the forums, this is going to be the selection show, and we'll do a couple other things also. And on this episode is actually my co-host for Comic Timing. I like to call him the co-host, not co-host, co-host, even though he's a co-host. He's Brent Casina. What's up, Brent? What's going on, Ian? Not much, man. Not much. Welcome to GeekSpeak. Thanks. It, 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 it feels different. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> is, it, is, is, it, is it the extended hey that I do at the beginning? I think that was part of it. Okay, cool. Yeah. You, you, you still have the hey there, folks, right? Oh, of course, dude. I think for the sake of um, copyright infringement, that I don't sue the other co hosts uh-huh. for GeekSpeak, that um, you're using the same intro for GeekSpeak that you use as comic timing, oh, really? which you've been doing uh, more often than uh, GeekSpeak. Therefore, it would take precedence for hmm. the hey there, folks. Yeah. So you yeah. could say, like, Hey there, buddies. Hey there, pals. <laughs> hey, that's why I specifically said, hey there, everybody, because that was actually my original opening. That was my original opening for GeekSpeak back in the day. Started off every show with the, hey there, everybody. So, it's all good. All right, just checking. Okay, good. I don't, I don't want there to be a, a tussle Uh-oh. 25 episodes down the line look out, look for out. this show. And this sort of banter is what you should expect from now on in the GeekSpeak report. <laughs> Although yeah, obvi- two people going at it. <laughs> right. Uh, although uh, it won't be Brent, it'll be uh, the five others, which I'll be talking about on the show. And actually, let's start off with that, as for those of you who have not been paying attention, well, GeekSpeak is back in a brand new form. I'm starting it off with a bang. Obviously, this is not the episode that's going to be airing in January. It's going to happen way before that, because I'm barely going to be editing the show. I'm just going to put it out. But we're going to have ourselves the GeekSpeak co-host challenge. Now, Brent never had to go through this because he was basically just there at the right place at the right time and ended up on Comic Timing. So you're safe, man. You're good. You got your spot on Comic Timing. You don't have to worry about being on GeekSpeak, right? Well, I will, I will enter myself into the hat just, just in case, Wait, you know, what, what, in case the fans want me. Uh, you didn't tell me about this, man. I put it on the forums. You never explicitly said I was not allowed to enter. You know, dude, and you gave me the hat and the five names, so I, I'm adding my little name right here. I have to talk to you once a paper, week already, paper, man. In there. I have to talk to you once a week already, man. I mean, seriously. Like, before I know it, I'm going to be, like, accidentally talking to you when you're not there. Well, I don't have the biggest fans in the world. I mean, they're going to vote for other people, so don't, right. it don't matter. I'm not going to win anyway. Ah, but fine, we'll just man. put my name in here, and we'll see uh, – who who gets picked first, okay. you know. All right, all right, that works, that works. But the other guys that are running for it, just to run down the names here, we got the Marvelous Patrick, who actually does a webcomic and has a website, obviously, at MarvelousPatrick.com. We've got the Geek Pastor himself, Wayne Cordova, which I'm actually really happy to have. I didn't expect him to go up there and, you know, say, hey, I want to be on another show, but, you know, we're more than happy to have him on the show. Uh, so Wayne Cordova, who has been on Comic Timing before, will be trying out for Geek Speak. 
also a the only guy who actually has been on Geek Speak before uh, is actually number six Troy Mata, and he is going to be once again trying to be a regular on Geek Speak. Well, obviously before he was just on a Geek Speak uh, sh- showcase spotlight that I used to do. And I was actually going to be trying for the co-host gig. We've also got Tamalo, because there has to be at least one female going for it. And we've got the Yanni. So we've got five different people that are going to be trying for this, which means we're going to have five different episodes. I'm not quite sure if it's going to be weekly, but at least it's going to be probably twice weekly. So expect them to come out at least bi-weekly. Now, once an episode comes out, I'm thinking... What do you think of this, Brent? And I'm going to shoot this at you here. What... Do you think I should try and get like maybe like a a commentary on that episode out? Like have us like one or two people on and like uh, say how they thought that person did and put that on the feed also. Uh, I don't know. I, th- I think you should just let the work speak for itself and let everybody else decide. Okay, cool, cool. That works. And obviously, if anybody wants to send an audio comments, they can. And uh, I want to say the email address, considering that it's been so freaking long since I've actually used this for any show. Um, it's speakgeekspeak at gmail.com. That's S-P-E-A-K-G-E-E-K-S-P-E-A-K at gmail.com. That's where you can find any information you need on GeekSpeak if you want to get in touch with me that way. So if you want to send in any audio comments, you can. But those are the five that are going for it here. So we're going to start the show off with that. And to be impartial, I'm not the guy picking it. It's going to be Brent. He's got five names in a hat that he's going to be rustling around. Six. 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 I, I, keep, I keep forgetting that you <laughs> got yourself in there, man, you bastard. I'm sorry. You, you made me do it. Jesus. So semi-impartial. Right, right, yeah. Yeah, see, this is why I call him the co-host, not co-host, co-host. Because if you give him too much power, he just <laughs> runs with it, man. Seriously. I'm power tripping right now, man. I know you are, dude. I mean, it's come on, it's bad enough that I gave you a login to the website, man. Now you can post whatever you want. Yeah, yeah. all right. Well, the uh, contestants are waiting, so uh, okay, let's hear the ruffle. There's a ruffle of the shuffle. Let me stick my mic down here. Yeah. Can you hear that? You getting that? I can hear that, yeah. All right, all right. Okay. First one. Oh, Brent Casina, number one. All right. Okay, good. That works well, because the episode you're on right now is actually uh, the episode that you're participating in. So that works. So you're all, you're done already. Oh, damn it. <laughs> Sucker. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All, right. all right. All right. Let's go with For the, the real five. number one. Okay. The real number one. Some more shuffling. Um, Wayne Cordova, numero uno. All right. So the Geek Pastor will be first. So probably the first week in January. You'll be hearing the first episode of the Co- Geek Speak co-host challenge with the Geek Pastor Wayne Cordova. All right, number two. Did, did you want to hear the hat? Uh, yeah, sure. That's the hat. Why not? Okay, that's the hat right there. Okay. All right. Uh, the Yanni, number two. All right. So the Yanni is up there for numero dos. Let's go to Trace. Um, Troy Mata, number three. All right. Hey, number six is number three. How about that? <laughs> Tamalo, number four. All right. And that would leave one more. But you know what? I want to hear the hat anyway. The Marvelous Patrick. All right. So there's your list. Number five. So once more to go through the list. Uh, number one will be the Geek Pastor Wing Cordova. Uh, number two will be the Yanni, right? I'm, I'm remembering yeah. this off the top of my head. Uh, number, Yanni. S- number six, Troy Mata, will be number three. Uh, Tamala, number four. And Marvelous Patrick, number five. So that is the order you'll be hearing people. Now, I don't want you guys to pick one over the other just because they came first. I want everybody to listen to as many of these episodes as possible. Um, if you only listen to one 
and you just like that one episode, obviously vote for the guy. You can go ahead and do that. But to get a fair share of how everybody seems, uh, at least give people a shot here. And obviously Wayne Cordova has the experience, but Marvelous Patrick has been doing webcomics, and he's also been uh, guest spotting. I think he did a guest spot on Comic East Speak once, right? I think uh, so. Yeah, so he's he's you've heard probably heard his voice before. Number six, like I said, if you go back to the uh, the showcase spotlight, you can hear him. And I'm not quite sure if Tamalo and the Yanni have actually been on podcasts yet. Although the Yanni has has actually, uh, I know he's been talking about wanting to be on podcasts. Yeah, the number six spotlight. What was that about? Because I know you list the topics on the iTunes feed, right? Because I know I listened to that one. Just refresh my memory. Um, can you remember? Yeah, Jammer uh, Television. There we go. That, that was a John Mer television episode, which actually, not only was it number six's first appearance, it was also John Mayo's first appearance. Oh, uh, yes. Okay, I remember that one. Yeah. So that was the first time I ever had John on, and number six was on that as well. And I think, oh, who else was on that episode? There was at least one more person. Chris Gallo, webhead on the forums, was on this one as well. And actually, he was just on Comic Timing recently talking about Spider-Man. So if you want to check that out, you can go ahead and do so. But yeah, if you want to listen to the episode, it's on the feed. You can go ahead and do that. So yeah, that that's the order of things. So I guess while we're here, you want to do an episode? Sure, why not? That way it counts, and you can count me out, not put me on the poll and all that. Okay, that's fine. However, if you want to send praise to Brent Casina, you can just talk to him on the forums or send an email to comictiming at gmail.com and said, Well, dude, I love Young Geek Speak. You should totally steal that away from Ian. Well, I, I was going to say you should probably um, wait to put up the, the voting poll until after all the episodes have been released. That's exactly what I'm going to be doing, yes. yes. See, he's smart, folks, so he doesn't need me around to tell him what to do. All right, there we go. All right, so <laughs> we're going to be talking about the wide range of stuff on this episode. Um, I've got a anime report to do. Yeah, I'm sorry. That's copyrighted Comic East Speak. So I'm just going to talk about the Anime Fest. New York Anime Fest happened uh, about two weeks ago now, so I'm going to touch on that a little bit. The last episode of Journeyman just aired on TV, literally right before I was recording this. So I want to talk about that a little bit, because that was my probably my best favorite new show of the fall season. And I want to touch on that, definitely. Um, the Wii shortage I'll touch on a little bit. PlayStation 3 commercials. And Brent, what do you got? Um, we're going to have a grammar segment where it's uh, best favorite is not a good grammar. Um, we're going to talk about the Dark Knight trailer. Hey, wh- what does you say, man? Come on, seriously. <laughs> the best, greatest? Come on. It's two, two adjectives that don't go together. That, dude, it's it was either the, the best it or it's the, the greatest. Awesomest super. Awesomest super. Awesomest nah. super, intelligent, awesome, great. This, this is why you're a podcaster, not a real radio host, because you're grammar. So, what else do we have, Brent? <laughs> well, I recently saw the um, the New Frontier trailer over on uh, IGN.com. Mm-hmm. It's really slow, and so, therefore, Ian hasn't seen it yet. Yeah. There wasn't much footage, but, you know, we'll get to that later. Yeah. I'm going to give a uh, I Am Legend review, since I recently saw that. Oh, and I also saw the Golden Compass, too. Oh, good. Yeah, I saw that as well, so we'll actually both be able to talk about that. So, there you go. That's that's plenty of content right there, oh, right? Hell yeah. that's- yeah. More than 30 minutes, I'm sure. That's definitely more than 30 minutes. This will be more like an old-school episode of Geek Speak. It's frightening enough to say. However, I will end it with some geek music. I do have that ready to go, but that'll be at the end of the show. So you want to start with uh, Golden Compass first? Golden Compass? Yeah. 
I don't know who it's directed by, but um, Nicole Kidman is in it. Not Dakota Fanning, but some other – Dakota Blue Richards or something right, is the, uh, the main girl. I'm looking this up because i got to actually have names to go with this. Let's see here. All right, here we go. Uh, James Bond is in it. Yes. What's his name? Uh, okay, Daniel Craig. His name, is that, his name in real life is not James Bond. He didn't change his name to James Bond. It's Daniel Craig. Oh, Daniel Craig. Yeah, yeah. Dakota yeah. Blue Richards, like you said, uh, played Lyra. Uh, ben Walker played Roger. Uh, Freddie Highmore was Pantalaemon. And Ian McKellen, of course, was the voice of York, which was the actually bear. really, really good. Because you've got to have yeah. a fantasy movie with Ian McKellen. There's, Pretty much now. Yeah. yeah, it's just the way it goes. And Chris Weitz actually directed this. With uh, Philip Pullman and Chris Wrights doing the novel and screenplay. Okay, I, have you read the novels that this is based on? I haven't. However, the people I went to the movie with did, so they had some issues with the movie. Um, so- I read them long ago, and my brother recently read them. I think I read them around the time when the last one came out. Uh-huh. It's a trilogy of novels. The first one, you know, in America here, it's called The Golden Compass. Um, I think the UK has a different title. Mm-hmm. Um, the second one is called The Subtle Knife, yeah. and the third one is called The Amber Spyglass, and they're all part of this His Dark Materials trilogy. Right. And, you know, to get overall synopsis, you didn't really get much of it here. There's a big protest going on about this movie that, oh, it's anti-God and all this other stuff, and you got a little bit of that, but it really comes into the later novels when they talk about what dust is, and I don't, can't remember exactly what it is. And they didn't give you any of that here. That was a disappointing thing because I think you got a little bit of it in the first book. Well, that and- but what it all comes down to is a war against God. Uh-huh. Lord Asriel, which is kind of funny that he's a comic character and an angel – name of an angel and all this other stuff. Yeah. Lord Asriel leads an army in the final book against God and they use the alethiometer, the subtle knife, which can cut a doorway in between these dimensions, mm-hmm. these parallel worlds and stuff and – um the Amber Spyglass, which I forgot what that does exactly, but right. and it's a battle over free will and all this other stuff, and it it was a little anti-religious, but I mean, like all fantasy, you got to take it with tongue in cheek. Sure, some yeah. guy writing it, you know. I'm, I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to definitely uh, go back and put spoiler warning on this because uh, considering you just went through all three books, um, yeah, let me just make sure to put that in the in the editing like once that's done with. Okay, but anyway, continue. Well, I mean, you've got to give an overview for what it's about. Well, sure. I, mean, no, 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 I don't I, think I, the movie gave this away at all. That kind of, well, I was kind of hoping to see more hints at these things so that people would want to see a second movie. Also, they, they changed a lot of like what the Leafiometer actually was from, from what I know about it. Because, again, like I said, I haven't read the books. However, people I went with did, and they told me all about it. Uh, they, they kept saying that it speaks the truth. You know, It helps you see the truth and all that. But – that's not really how it translates to. It's more like it lets you see, see things that aren't there. You know, like like they might be available, but it's not like like seeing lie like, like seeing through lies or anything like that. You know, it's just, it's just pointing you in the right direction, just like a compass would. Yeah, which is why it's called the Golden Compass. It pretty much just tells you things you would want to know mm-hmm. uh, what'd you that think? are you know being left out of the, the conversation. Did you like the acting at least? Oh, the movie. Well, I, I did like it. I mean, it wasn't the greatest thing I've ever seen. I do think it beats the first Narnia movie mm-hmm. by spades. Um, I, I just thought that I would, it was more I mature. But but whatever. Really? Yeah. I, I thought this movie was a lot more mature than the first Narnia movie. Mm-hmm. Maybe the PG-13 rating helped. Certainly the polar bear fight was badass. Mm-hmm. Probably the best part of the movie. You, you know, they didn't pull any punches when they killed people. Uh-huh. You didn't see any blood or anything, but you saw the demons – um, whisk into the air and kind of thing, but the 
you know, I like the acting. I like Daniel Craig, even though he was only in it for about 10 minutes total. Mm-hmm. I thought I was going to get annoyed with the girl, but I actually really liked her. Yeah, she I really was, liked she was fun. York, the polar bear. And I guess the the demon kind of thing. Pretty not, no, see, no good grammar there. It came across well. Um, I think you got – you get a – see, this is where you, you get in the difference between the books and the movies. And, you know, we're talking about real novels, not comics versus movies like we usually do on Comic Timing. So um, in the novel, the the relationship between the demon and the and the human is more explained. Mm-hmm. Like it's an actual representation of that person's soul. Right. And they go into the things that like uh, whatever your demon manifests into has an effect on what you do in life. Mm-hmm. Like you saw all the soldiers and guards, their demons were dogs. Yeah. And if your demon forms into a dog, it basically means you're meant to be a servant. So you go into like law enforcement or a, you know a servant type position kind of thing. And when, and when Whereas, you create, your demon's constantly in flux because you don't know what you're going to be yet. Right, because basically you haven't decided who you're going to be as a person and what you're going to be as you grow up. So basically when your demon manifests and stays the same, um, that decides what kind of person you're going to be. And in that world, they – you know, the Magisterian appoints you to some post or something like that, I think. Yeah. I could be way off. Remember, I haven't read them in years, but yeah. that's basically the gist of it. Well, post- and that's why that's why they said um, it's a crime for somebody else to touch another person's demon because mm-hmm. you touch another person's soul and physical form. It's supposed to cause, like, real painful harm, which I don't think they got across in the movie that much. I mean, the girl was in pain, but she should have been screaming her fucking lungs out. Yeah. The way the book puts it. Well, plus they bother to say that when the kid lost his demon, that he dies. You know, it's as simple as that. Because when well, he's when he's, he's a soulless shell now. Well, well, right, but he does die when he's back at the village because when you don't have a soul, obviously you're going to die. You might be alive yeah. for a few seconds after that, but if you don't have a soul, you can't live. Just like if you don't have a demon, you can't live because that pretty much is your soul in these books. Another thing also, they, they took a lot of the religious references out of the movie because I, I heard that there – I mean there, there are a lot more like references to religion in the books than there were in the movie itself. Yeah. The, the whole thing of the Magisterium I think was – is basically a religious organization and that kind of hinted that in the movie. We tell people what to do when they you know need to be told and stuff like that. Yeah. But in the book, there's a lot more of – um, talking about God and religion, and it's in a discussion of free will stuff like that. Which you know, Christianity is a you know God gives us God gives us free will, but the Magisterian and this whole demon thing kind of doesn't give you that yeah. in this world. Well, let's talk about the fact that, and this was everybody's huge problem with it because you would not believe the reaction of the crowd when we got to the end of the movie, and the last three chapters of the book are not in the movie. That's exactly what my brother said, and I couldn't remember what he was talking about because I haven't read it in so long. Yeah, the, the ending of the movie was not there, pretty much. And not only that, it wasn't even that they didn't shoot it. If you look at the final trailer, they show shots from those last three chapters. So they filmed them. Now, Well, I do think I remember like at the end, Lyra sees this kid cutting into the, the world, mm-hmm. and then you meet the main protagonist of the second book think that was at the end of the first book i no actually you wouldn't know but no i i think actually wasn't there a major death 
Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah. The movie's supposed to end on a tragedy, and uh, the guys I went to see it with, well, specifically my friend David, said, you know, just like the uh, the Star Wars, like it, like it ends high, the second movie ends low, the third one ends high. I guess that's what they were trying to do here with the movie. But at the end of the books, and again, spoilers here for this, uh, Roger's uh, demon gets torn away from him. And that's what opens up, that's what powers uh, Lord Azrael's machine to open up a rift to go into the parallel world, which Azrael then goes into, and Lyla follows him. That's, I'm assuming Lyra follows him. That's how it's supposed to end. And they left this out entirely, even though there were shots in the trailer from this part that would have corresponded with the book. They just didn't put it in. I don't know why they did that. It seemed to me like they were marketing this as a kid's movie. Mm-hmm. Even though it's clearly rated PG-13, and there was a lot of stuff in here that it's just not for kids. Yeah. So it's probably the studio's marketing decision that influenced that, you know, that ending of the the movie. You want to bet it didn't test well? Probably. Yeah. They they probably showed the movie to test audiences, and test audiences were like, "Oh, it, it was it was all right, but it just it, it ended so low." But you know what? It wasn't supposed to be a kids movie. Just because it's a fantasy movie doesn't mean it's going to be a kids movie. The same thing with Narnia. I thought, like that that last battle scene just didn't do anything for me. And there's, I know Narnia is about kids and stuff, but that last battle scene, you know, if you read the books and stuff, those things are fucking like enormous and stuff. And it just yeah. they pulled their punches on the battle scene in there, and yeah. here they've pulled the punches on the last, you know, the last bit of the movie. See, I still think that in general, Narnia is a better movie, um, not only for the way that that it was performed, but also for the way it was shot. And there were some major editing choices in Golden Compass that I just did not agree with, where you'd be at one scene, and then they immediately cut to a scene that felt like it should have been, like, five minutes down the road. They're there at the polar, at the polar bear's uh, kingdom and all that, and all of a sudden, you miss the entire run towards the next town, and they're there already. Yeah, and York Burnison comes running out right as she, you know, as she gets there. Yeah, yeah. It just it it there were just certain choices that were made that were obviously made for time that felt like they shouldn't have been there. Just like I'm, I'm guaranteed that there will be an extended edition to this eventually, where there's scenes that just were not in it. Mm-hmm. But even if they did decide to like hold that ending to the to the next movie, they're not even guaranteed that there will be a next movie after the performance of this one. Yeah, it did. I don't think it did that well, so I don't, I'm doubting we're going to see a second movie at all. Yeah, yeah, which I, is kind of sad because I love the second book. Mm-hmm. I mean, the subtle knife basically can cut between it can cut between the worlds, or it can cut through like any known any known thing. Mm-hmm. So you have like this ultimate weapon here. It's, it's pretty badass, and this guy, you know, this kid will gets it. And um, starts going through the, his own world and finding secret passages and stuff like that. Yeah. And eventually, he meets up with Lyra and they start talking about things. And and then um, they go into the third book. So if they do make this second movie, hopefully it'll get a lot more of the feel of the book, which is adult mm-hmm. fair, yeah. but had kids as main characters and protagonists. Right. Yeah, I, um, I, I certainly hope so too. And I mean, I will read these books at some point because right now I'm actually in the middle of Cavalier and Clay. So once I'm done with that, and it, Cavalier and Clay is a long ass book. And considering mm-hmm. the fact that I read a lot of comics, it's been taking me frickin' forever to actually get done with Cavalier and Clay. But once I'm done with that, probably move on to the uh, dark, his, his Dark Materials books and actually go through those. Well, they definitely got to get this uh, adult thing down because the third book is just, it's not for kids at all, yeah. basically. Yeah. 
And if they translate into that and into a kid movie, it's not going to work, period. I certainly hope so. Um, out of five, what do you give it? Uh, I'd give it a three. It wasn't terrible. I wasn't too terribly disappointed. But I guess that could have been because I haven't read the books in forever. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to give it a three out of five also. Even people that did you know, read the books uh, recently and still had it in their minds that I went to see it with said it was all right. It just could have been better. And I guess three is pretty much a neutral rating. So that's what I'm going to give it there. Let's move on to I Am Legend because uh, that's the one I'll be asking you questions about, I guess. But uh, let's give you a little uh, review of it here. And uh, um, don't, don't be don't be that spoilery on it, but uh, you can okay. give away so you can give away like like I guess basic plot elements. All right. Well, I saw it yesterday. It was free popcorn day at Regal Cinema, so that's pretty good. Nice. Saw it during the day. So I didn't see it on IMAX because they posted the um, the Dark Knight prologue. Somebody uh, took a video camcorder and posted it up on YouTube, so I watched that to save myself some extra money. Yeah. Which um, after viewing that, I would rule that you don't have to spend the extra money to see it on IMAX. Okay. You really only get like one good shot of the Joker and this trailer shows more of the Joker than this thing does. Oh yeah. yeah. And this thing's going to be in the movie anyway, so you're not going to miss anything, I presume. Yeah. And if it's not, it'll be on the DVD and it'll be on the web, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. But um out of the movie, it's Will Smith and his dog. They are alone in New York City. It basically opens up, you don't know anything just that it's Will Smith and his dog and they're driving through the city hunting hunting for deer and like Times Square and all this other stuff. And there are lions roaming loose, I guess, from the the zoo somewhere. Seeing Madagascar, I guess, they, they're they from the Central Park Zoo, uh-huh. you know, and they talk. Yeah. Did you see that movie, Madagascar? Yeah, I saw Madagascar. and they, I'm, I'm pretty sure that they don't talk in I Am Legend, but they do in Madagascar. <laughs> yeah, no, they don't talk here. But um, anyway, you find out that uh, the world's population is – he thinks it's gone because of a, a virus, and it starts off that the uh, – some lady who basically was only in it for the first five minutes of the movie discovered a cure for cancer. Mm-hmm. Well, not really because everybody who she gave her new cancer cure virus to ended up with some form of death or something. And then it mutated into this other thing, and now we have these human mutant things that live in the shadows and have ragged clothing and like the smell of blood and are afraid to light. Uh-huh. But they're not really vampires even though they sound like it. Yeah, There was no vampire teeth or anything like that. Okay. So a lot of the, – the first part of the movie is Will Smith riding around hunting for food and trying out some different these things and then um, something tragic happens and you're kind of sad. And then once that happens, he gets real sad and um, – well, I guess I can't – I don't want to give it away. But the, the end of the movie just came out of nowhere. It's kind of like a deus ex machina mm-hmm. you know, kind of thing, an act of God and it's just kind of like, oh, really? You're, you're going to do this now? And so you kind of along with that, and then um, there's a final confrontation with a bunch of the monsters, and that ends. And I don't know. It just I thought it could have ended better. I, I haven't read the book or the graphic novels or anything. Mm-hmm. It was just I guess it, you know how Castaway had that that weird ending, yeah. where he's kind of like alone, and everybody else has moved on with his life, and he doesn't know what to do. Mm-hmm. This kind of has the same feel at the end. Okay. So don't be expecting some big happy release or anything like that. Well, uh, well, just tell me this much. The actual book ends, uh, and again, spoilers here, with him committing suicide because because he realizes that he is literally the la- a relic in time, that he is the last human, so it doesn't make sense for him to even live anymore. So he kills himself, and that's the end. I highly doubt that happens at the end of this, right? You know what? I'm 
can't really discuss it. Okay, good. Okay. Because right. it's a little different from that. Right. Okay. Good. But um, if if I were to discuss it, I have to tell you why. Okay. And then that would give away the Deus Ex Machina that kind of comes out of nowhere, and I you're like, you. "What the fuck?" All right. So, but but it's it's not as straightforward as I just said it, right? No. Okay. Good. All right. Because that it, it is pretty damn straightforward from what I heard in the in the novel slash graphic novel that sort of shit. Again, this is the this is a story that's been around for years, and this is about the third time it's been made into a movie, and they mm-hmm. obviously each one has had its like subtle quirks and differences from the book. And there hasn't been a straight adaptation of the book yet. They've all varied at points. It's probably because he just gives himself up at the end of the book, I mean, from what you say. Oh, and by the way, did you happen to see the, uh, the Superman-Batman uh, advertisement in the background? I, I did see that. Okay. And that was a little cool. They used the new Superman Returns logo mm-hmm. for Superman. And the Batman thing, I don't know where they got that logo from. Yeah. It's not the uh, the Burton Batman. Mm-hmm. It's not the Batman Begins. You know, sharp edge thing. It's I don't know. It's fucking weird looking. <laughs> but it's uh, 2010, right? I didn't see that. All I saw it was really it was really big. It's like a billboard. Yeah. I didn't see any Teen Titans or Legion of Superheroes posters or anything like that. Which they're rumored to be in the movie somewhere. Yeah. Well, the art director went crazy on this, pretty much. Like, I mean, like well, every single thing that that he wanted to put in, there was an in joke he put in. It's it's hard to watch for that in the first viewing of the movie. I mean, you can do that second viewings and stuff, but yeah. I'm trying to follow the story, damn it. I don't want to be looking for right. your com- my comic shit. How's uh, Will Smith's acting? I thought it was pretty good. His interactions with the dog, I mean, the dog in there is one of the best animal actors I've ever seen, or at least best behaved. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, he's really well trained, and Will Smith talks to the dog and talks to himself, kind of like Castaway. I guess you could most uh, compare it to. Yeah. Castaway for its sol- solitude, like if you compare the solitudes of these two guys, mm-hmm. Castaway did a better job of exploring what that does to a person, you know? Yeah, Castaway was a volleyball. Right. <laughs> but, you know, he evolved, the volleyball evolved, and he evolved, and his relationship with the volleyball evolved. Yeah. Whereas Will Smith, he's, you get him at his end point. He's already lived like this for three years. Mm-hmm. So you don't get to see him struggling at the beginning where there he you know, he realized he lost everybody he ever knew. Yeah. And you don't see him, you know I'm sure he like tried to kill himself, you know, three months after everybody died and stuff like that and then decided, No, I need to fix this, I need to live and stuff like that. Yeah. Oh and, and how about this? What the fuck is up with movies like damaging or destroying or fucking with New York lately? You know, you've got you've got like the Cloverfield shit going on. There's going to be a monster that, like, you know, knocks off the head of the of the Statue of Liberty. You got I Am Legend, where all of New York City is entirely like devoid of life except for one dude. I mean, th- come on, man! Does the end of the world always have to happen in New York? Well, it is the, probably the biggest city on Earth, or the most recognizable. Yeah, I know, but I like and, New um, York, man. Well, I mean, you guys let those uh, 9/11 movies get get made last year. <laughs> The crappy-ass World Trade Center and the much better United 93. So once those got made, I guess it was hands-off. We can do whatever the hell we want to New York now. I guess. Oh, boy. Yeah, although I, I must say that once I do see it, I probably will be freaked out by how empty you know New York is since I've never seen it anywhere near empty in my life. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty, pretty weird to look at. All right, and, and I couldn't tell. The good thing about this movie is that I couldn't tell whether they – like they cleared blocks of this of the street to do this, mm-hmm. 
or it's just plain CGI the whole damn thing. It, they did actually. It clear looks blocks. amazing. Yeah, they, cleared, they did. They cleared blocks a lot. There were certain scenes that were obviously filmed either in studios or okay. uh, via CGI, but they did clear a lot. For this I would stuff. guess that it's probably like the Lord of the Rings, where they, you know, they cleared blocks for like the immediate background, mm-hmm. and then, um, you know, they they made a model somehow and then put CG elements into that. Hopefully, they did that because I love the way they did that in Lord of the Rings and. Yeah. If you look at the extended editions of those DVDs, those are my favorite part, looking at the models that they made. Yeah, but I'm actually, I'm actually anyway. planning uh, either either tomorrow or next uh, Tuesday or something like that. I'm probably going to end up watching uh, the second Lord of the Rings extended finally, considering it's been sitting on my shelf for the last like uh, half a year, considering I borrowed it from somebody and I haven't actually watched it yet. Oh, my God. You're going to be like shocked at how much stuff is in that movie that's not. Oh, yeah, I know. Because, I, I mean, even from the first one, there were a bunch of Yeah, the whole there. gift-giving scene in the first one. I couldn't yeah. believe they left that out when I first saw that. Yeah, definitely. I thought that was pretty damn important. Yeah. Where did you get the cloak that cloaks, you know, hides your background and all this other shit? Uh, God, and, and right away. And the, the rope that doesn't break. Harry Potter. Yeah. Oh, boy. All right, so what, what do you give it out of five? Uh, I guess the same as Golden Compass 3. Everything was kind of predictable. Mm-hmm. You know, you've kind of seen it before. There's nothing really new here. So there were, And there was no real, like, holy shit moment that was awesome. Yeah. Whereas the Golden Compass had the bear fight, and then was, holy shit, that was awesome. Yeah, well, well, then again, whenever there's a fight with bears, I'm automatically entertained. Yeah. Yeah. And this one was much better than that fight with bears and the edge. Yeah. Did I, you see that? Uh, I didn't, but I've heard about it. Okay, well, some guy gets mauled by a bear, and they hunt the bear the whole movie, and this one was better. Golden Compass. Remember, the number one threat down is bears. Yep. Well, we don't know yet. We haven't seen him in weeks. Oh, God, I There could it. be a new threat. I miss The it. new threat might be the writer strike. That might be the number one threat down. That's why I don't write anything on Comic Timing, because I support the writers. I do. That's why I just make it all up on the top of my head. It's going to be interesting when they go back being live. Oh, boy. And uh, unwritten. And, That's going to be awkward. Yeah. My turn here. Um, I'm going to talk about the uh, New York Anime Fest, which happened about two weeks back. This is the first New York Anime Fest that took place. It's by the same guys who do New York Comic Con, which is bigger, better, and has double the space. Um, <laughs> sorry, I had to throw that in there. It's still stuck it might be mind. tripled this time. You don't it know might yet. Be for all we know. I don't know. But um, again, it's by the same guys, and New York Comic Con might be big, but Jesus freaking Christ, was New York Anime Fest small? It didn't even take up an eighth of the Jacob Javits Center. It was in a basement. So there were two events going on, and this is great because it was like, you ever see that episode of Home Movies where the sci-fi convention was in town at the same time as the Renaissance Fair? We had a, uh, a, ball- a ballet or a dance competition when Megacon was going on last year. Nice. And he had to walk across the convention center. Oh, beautiful. Through the ballet kids and all that other stuff in, well, well I guess people in costume did, those anime freaks. Well, yeah, but, but imagine like two really geeky things happening at once. You know, like, like there was a magic convention going on at the same time as the anime convention. It wasn't even a magic convention. It was a magic tournament. The, like, the, I, I'm not sure if it was the finals, but it was definitely one of the, like, big tournaments for magic going on. 
and mm-hmm. literally next door was New York Anime Fest. Mm. So geek geek mecca going on right there. The costumes were great. That much I'll say. There were some nice cosplayers there. Um, there was a guy dressed up like L from Death Note. He was walking around barefoot and giving out lollipops. That was good times. My main issue with the show, though, is because of the size, there were not that many panels. And you know just from talking from me to, with me, Brent, that I'm really into panels, mm-hmm. especially fan panels. And there were not that many fan panels at this show. Why didn't you put one on yourself like you usually do? Uh, because it was a first-year con, I actually sort of wanted to um, like explore the floor. And mm-hmm. chances are next year I'll probably actually put my hat in the ring and do something like that. But also I, I, I know which cons I'm good for. Like I know for Boston I'm almost guaranteed space. You know, mm-hmm. uh, for next, I'm guaranteed space. I'd never worked with the New York Anime Fest guys before, so I didn't know whether or not I'd be able to get in, and that was another reason why I did it. They did give me a press pass, though, which was nice, um, specifically because I, I showed, hey, I do a podcast, comic timing. Oh, great. Hey, great. Come on in. That's perfect. I don't know if they're going to want to after I finish this review, but... Well, this isn't on comic timing, so there you go. That's true. That's absolutely true, but uh, <laughs> the dealer's room was weak, and I mean weak, because there were maybe... Uh, three dealers at the entire place that I gave a shit about. There was a combination, almost, of the artists with the dealers, and I like to see that separate. I like to see more room for the dealers and more room for the artists. Well, there were not that much room for the artists and not that much room for the dealers in this. And the aisles, while not nearly as like thin as they were at New York Comic Con the first year, and you know that you know my horror stories about that already. Um, mm-hmm. These were barely navigational. Like you, could, you could get by a little bit, but just not nearly as well as I wanted to. I did, I did find some cool things, even stuff that you'd be happy that I found. Like I found, I think, yeah, four out of the six Batman Year One figures I was able to find. Uh, Batman, wow. se- Batman Season One figures actually. Um, uh, season one, yeah, season one, not Year One. If it was Year One, I'd be even happier. But um, I don't think they make those. Yeah, Bat- I think they might actually. I'm not entirely certain. There might be a couple out there, but. I found uh, the Batmobile, Joker, which is actually a really awesome Joker. He's got a bunch of guns hanging out from him that are hilarious. I found Robin, and I found Catwoman. All I needed now is Harley Quinn and Batman, and I finished the set. So that's great, because I just finished my Season 2 set, so that works. Those are the, uh, the little mini things? Yeah, those are the mini things. That's the one I took a picture of, the uh, the Azrael that I, that I got yeah. in the set. It was actually really nice. Which Bastard. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, dude, you can get it off eBay. Yes. I got the real DC Superheroes Azrael figure. Yes, well, so that's twice the size of yours, bitch. Yes, it certainly is. Whatcha? Whatcha? Next year, I definitely want to see more of a dealer presence. Uh, they did have some like actual like industry panels, but I don't know. Industry panels bore me because you can so easily find out all that information online that it's just like, mm-hmm. why even bother sitting through it? Because they're just going to spout the same things that they're already spouting in their press releases. So, they don't break news here than they like they do at the comic conventions. Well, even when, well, but see, that's the thing. Even at comic conventions, when they break news, they're on Newsarama the next day, or even like yeah. like an hour later. Just like with this, and with Anime News Network, they're on literally like five minutes later. I didn't bother going to any of that. I, I went to the uh, uh, Geek Nights guys. Rem and Scott had a uh, a panel. And they actually did a live episode from the con, which was pretty cool. I went to that. And that was actually the only panel I went to the entire time I was there. I went there two days, didn't bother going on Sunday. I decided to uh, help my girlfriend uh, put up her tree and uh, put up ornaments instead. And, yeah, it was just, in general, wasn't really that impressed. 
for a first-year con, went off without a hitch, I guess. You know, no fire department being called, but certainly wasn't anything special. Mm-hmm. So I'll give it about maybe two out of five, three out of five on that one. So what would improve him? What would improve him? Oh, what more would, space? What would improve it? Definitely more space. Certainly more dealers. Because I, I want to be able to find a bunch of stuff at this place. And also improve your fan presence. You know, give me more of a reason to show up. And that, that would be great. There was a really nice concert I went to at one point that was kind of fun. But the concert was at like four and was in the back of the room. So it, w- it wasn't even like uh, they had a special spot for the uh, concert. It was just literally in the back of the dealer room, which was a bit mm. of a pain in the ass to deal with. So what are you going to do? All in all, nice first-year con, but it definitely needs improvement. watched journeyman before no i have not so okay take it away okay good all right journeyman's last episode air tonight and journeyman for those of you who don't know i guess it's sort of like the modern quantum leap where you've got this guy who's basically going through time righting wrongs however here's the main twist he's not lost in time he goes back home at the end of the episode and he goes back home at oftentimes in the middle of the episode even and goes to different parts of this person's life to try and f- help fix it. So he's jumping all over time pretty much. Each episode usually focuses on one person. And you know how like Quantum Leap was more like a personal thing? Like he'd help this one person and that life was set and all that and all was well, but it was just that one life? Mm-hmm. This one usually affected pretty much the entire world when you think about it because if he helped the person, that person usually went on to like maybe form a youth center or became a congressman or help do like like find out this like you know like like miracle drug or something like that. They usually go on to do amazing things, all because he helps them. Now, can you explain the premise of the show? Sure. Like I know it's about time travel, and you said quantum leap, but right, it literally happens this way. And I don't want to give away the last episode because that actually explains a lot. But uh, when the show starts, it's just this guy, uh, Dan Vasser, uh, getting into a cab, and the next thing he knows, he's. 10 years in the past and he doesn't know whether or not he's gone crazy or whether or not this is really happening but he, he's he's back in time and obviously he's meeting people that he realizes he, he keeps meeting over and over again so he must be there to help them at one point to prove it to himself he goes to his house and finds his dude there the guy who was obviously living there before him so he decides he was going to get his wife's wedding ring fixed because it, it had, uh, I think it had, her, her fingers had gotten, uh, had swelled since they had a kid. So she couldn't actually wear it anymore. I th- I'm pretty sure that, that was the concept behind it. But uh, so he went, to, he, he actually had the ring in his pocket because he had just gotten it back from the guy in the present. So he decided he was going to bury the ring underground in the past to prove to his wife that he's actually going back in time. Because in the future, there's a deck where he buried that. So obviously he can't just, you know, bury it and, and, you know, say like, hey, I did it. And then she's like, well, you could be lying to me. There's actually a deck where he has to break it open just to show her this is the box. There's your wedding ring. I'm telling the truth here. Mm-hmm. So he find you know, he deals with the fact that he's going through time. But here's the important twist here. He had a girl before his wife. Her name was Olivia. 
and he was with her for about five years or something like that, and they were engaged to be married. Her plane went down, and obviously had to deal with that. So Livia's gone and all that. When he goes on one of his trips through time, there's Livia. It's not the Livia from the past. It's the Livia he knew. She's a time traveler as well. What? Yep. Yep. She didn't. She didn't go down with the plane. She leapt through time while she was on the plane. And never came back. And never came back. But again, there's a. Huge, she didn't love him. Huh? There's, a, there's a huge twist on that as well. No, he, she can't control where she goes. Just like he can't. Well, this just happens arbitrarily. Right. Right. They are linked, however. One, I, Livia's been doing it longer, so she's like the advice giver for him. But mm-hmm. they can't control when they're going. Like, they, they could just be, like, doing something somewhere and then end up right there and then back. Blink and you're there. Right. Exactly. He works for a newspaper, so he's able to get mm-hmm. information on people pretty easily, especially the people that he's helping out, which is a nice plus. But his brother is a cop. The brother thinks that he's gone back to gambling. Because he keeps disappearing like this and showing up all like mumbled and jumbled like that. Because he used to be a, a chronic gambler back in his uh, back in like the old days. So his brother's trying to figure out what the hell's going on and obviously causing problems for him. It's a very well acted, well thought out show that really never got the time of day, and yet again fell into the same problem that Studio Sixty on the Sunset Strip fell in. Because apparently nothing can survive that ten o'clock slot on Mondays for NBC anymore. Mm-hmm. So, really good show. You should give it a shot. Well, speaking of other TV, I Love New York 2 and Tila Tequila just ended. They both chose their men. I guess Tila Tequila is kind of a spoiler, but um, yeah, I did watch them. I had a better time watching Tila Tequila. I just thought it was a better show as far as them dating reality shows go. Um, I think the relationships there felt a lot more real. And by this time, uh, and like Flavor Flav, that show, if you ever watched that, Flavor of Love... Like, the editing there, it feels really cheesy and corny, and they have all this cornball music and all this other stuff, where basically, it's a game. Basically. You know, they're there for entertainment purposes. It's not really real. Tequila Tequila, like, when you watched it, you actually felt that there was a connection. Whereas I Love New York, this one guy was an asshole, and this other guy grovels at her feet all the time, and that's about it. You know? Either, either it was highly edited, or they're just there to be there. What what makes you, know what, you I mean? what makes you attracted to these dating shows? Because I I could I really can't stand reality shows like that. I really don't know. I guess it's the the outrageousness of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I watched Flavor of Love, and he really drew me to that. Okay, because he's like, yeah, boy, he's just so weird and outrageous, and I didn't even know who the fuck he was Flavor before Flavor. I watched that show. I had no clue. Yeah. So uh, and then New York kind of spun out of that because she's just an all-around bitch, and I still can't figure out why guys want to date her. Because her mom's a bitch, she's a bitch, and she's getting uglier just like her mom is with every season. Oh, oh. So I don't understand that. Tequila, tequila. I watched that because she's hot, and then uh, my roommate and my neighbor started watching it. So we're watching it this past Tuesday, not being in the dorm with my buddies, going, "Oh my god, check out Tequila. She's so hot. Oh my god. Oh my god." Well, part of the draw there was the whole lesbian thing, I guess, for I guess. us. And she's always in a bikini. Oh, boy. So, uh, yeah, and Hero sucked, so whatever. No, I do not agree with that at all. I agree with that. I was like, the second to last episode, I was going, how the hell are they going to tie all this up? And they didn't. They killed off one character, left another character in, like, in the dark. 
I think that gonna, I still have questions. I, yeah, and, and they're all going to be answered in, in part three. I think that this did a really good job with the short amount of time they had to finish it, that they had to sort of scramble a bit to you know, have something out there that would act as a finale just in case the writer strike happened, and obviously it did. It just – they started out slow this year, and I think they got great by the end. So I was, I was satisfied. I was absolutely satisfied with the show. Well, to me, the the threat that they were trying to to stop came too late. Like we were like what five or six or seven episodes in mm-hmm. when he went to the future and goes, "Oh my God, there's a virus." <laughs> we're halfway through the season at that point, and I'm like, "A virus? Really? You went to the future to find out there's a virus? Uh-huh. Oh my God!" Well, I hope that I hope that next season we don't have to stop anything. Well, Jeff Loeb that happens in the future. Comics, man. I don't want a threat like that next chapter or whatever. You know what it's going to be next time? There's going to be a killer robot from the future <laughs> that like comes back and says like, – And another killer robot comes back. Come with me says, if like, you I want to save you. Exactly. Get in the chopper. That was just – that to me was just disappointing that they used the same plot divide of traveling in the future to find out the threat yeah. even though it was a different character. Yeah. That, I mean that was a little lame but I like the whole Kensei arc. And I like that was good, yeah, yeah, and, and I mean the in general, that's why I like this ending so much because that involved uh, him a lot, and I I don't know, it felt like there was resolution. I'm just sad to see the guy who played Kensei go because he's such a great actor. I love him. Oh yeah. Did you did you see him on Alias? Oh, I love him on all. Alias. Yeah. I, yeah, he was fantastic. That's uh oh Anders, right? Uh, yeah, D- David Anders. David Anders. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, no, he's he's a wonderful actor, and my favorite thing about him is. He's American. He is? Yeah. He's American. He puts on that English accent so freaking well, you'd never know. Oh, he does a damn good job. Yeah, because this is two shows in a row now that he's played English. It's just like Spike on Buffy. Oh, that's the other guy that does that too. Yeah. He always gets cast as a British guy, even though he's not British. Yeah. Yeah, but no, I, I, I liked Heroes. I could see why some people didn't like it. It was a bit of a departure, but... What, and you know a little bit of a rehash, I guess, but whatever. It still it still held my interest and was still one of the best shows on TV. It was good, but I think it, they could have done a lot more things better. Yeah, right. But I guess with the the writer strike looming and all that, maybe they rushed a few things. Right, right. And I think that's kind of where it got lost, you know. Yeah. No, I I, I agree on that. That the writer strike did have a lot to do with it. All right, let's switch over to the video games because I have some comments to make on here, especially the whole Wii situation and how there ain't any. If you wanted a Wii for Christmas and your father just found out now you want a Wii for Christmas, you're screwed, buddy. You are S-C-R-E-W-E-D screwed because the only way to get a Wii right now is to stand outside of Nintendo World starting at about midnight the day before you want it. Because, no joke, dude, there were about 200 people lined up outside of Nintendo World. Because they get a fresh shipment every day mm-hmm. of about 20 Wii's. 200 and they people just, lined up for 20 Wii's. And they just sell them? Yeah. Well, I guess that's what Nintendo World does. It's a store, right? right. I'm assuming. Yeah, that's the, that's the Nintendo for World For us non-New store. York folks, what the hell is Nintendo World? Nintendo World is a, sh- is a store in Rockefeller Center, which 
actually a bit of trivia used to be the Pokemon store. So there you go. Uh-huh. But uh, okay. they, they eventually trans- transformed that into a, a Nintendo store, which still, still sells a lot of Pokemon stuff, although obviously it does other stuff also. And uh, that's where I got my Wii back in November because I had a feeling this was going to happen around December, so I wanted to make sure to have one. But, yeah, there are so little Wiis out there right now that, like, you got to have, like, a black market connection to get one. Wow. Yeah. Why is that? They don't want to have any extra plants to make these Wiis. You know, they have their certain places where they make them, and to open up a brand new factory would cost a fuck of a lot of money. So they don't want to have to deal with that. They're, they're like, you know what? Let's, let's not worry about that right now. Let's just do what we can do. They switched all of the Wii advertising over to the DS because they have plenty of DSs. So now instead of seeing Wii advertising on, on TV, you're just going to see DS advertising instead. But... Yeah, they don't want to open up a new factory. Simple as that, really. So is this another case of them not manufacturing enough units at launch? Uh, or after launch, you could say? Yes and no, because the demand is so high that it'll be hard, it would be hard for them to keep up, keep up with it anyway. But they left about $1.4 billion worth of revenue on the table because of how many people wanting Wii's were unable to get them so far. But they're selling so many Wii's that they're still the best-selling console in the United States. And I think pretty much in the world at this point. That was going to be my next question. Is the demand for the Wii a lot greater than the other next-gen systems? Well, it's been around long, uh, sh- uh, less time than the Xbox 360. So mm-hmm. most people who have Xbox 360s already have them. You know, They're not really looking that much for an Xbox 360 at this point. The PlayStation 3, that still doesn't have games. You know, like, I mean, they have games, but not games, if you know what I mean. Like, Metal Gear Solid 4 hasn't come out yet. Devil May Cry hasn't come out yet, even though that's also coming out on the Xbox 360. There's not that much demand for PlayStation 3s. There are more people buying them now that they lowered the price, but still not as many people want that as much as the Wii, because, and I don't know if you agree with this here, the Wii is a family system. The Wii is a system that you can have your grandmother, your five-year-old brother, and your father play at the same time, along with you. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. And, like, that's something that none of the other systems have, because it's nice and simple, man. Even, the, like, I got Marvel Ultimate Alliance, finally. And I'm really mm-hmm. happy with it. How does that play on the Wii? That was my real question. That actually plays pretty well. How do games like that play? It plays pretty well, actually. You gotta do a lot of, you know, herky-jerky motions, obviously, but... Um, oh, really? Oh, well, yeah, but not nearly as many as you would think. You you control so like jump and stuff, uh, or is that the attacks? No no no, no. Th- those are the attacks. Uh, jump button is on the nunchuck, so there's a there's a Z button on the nunchuck that you press to jump, which is fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, to attack, you do a combination of A and B, and then different movements will give you different attacks. Like if you want to do Captain America's shield throw, you know you you move your hand forward with the A B, and it'll do that. If you want to do like a web mm-hmm. throw, move it to the front and A B, and you'll be able to do that. That sort of thing. Okay, that's like pushing uh, R2 and L2 on the PS3. Right, exactly. Yeah, it's it just, it just a new way of doing it. And in my opinion, it makes games easier to play this way. Not every game, because some will be difficult, but it's certainly an innovative thing, and not many other systems out there have been able to touch so far. You don't get tired doing your hand movements and stuff, I mean? Not really, no. I Because mean, when I played that game on my PS2, I was pounding away on the damn controller. Yeah. and With, with the, the light attacks and the heavy attacks and all that. And, and that's the thing, because you don't have to do nearly as many like finger motions. You're going to be able to play mm-hmm. a lot longer. 
Mm-hmm. And, like, I mean, the fact that I get to play as Deadpool just makes me happy. You could play as Deadpool in uh, X-Men Legends 2. Yeah, well, I don't have X-Men Legends 2. All right, well, I got it. All right, there. <laughs> I'll get it eventually. Though. Well, just wait till you unlock Silver Surfer. He's awesome. I, I want to unlock Daredevil also, obviously, because, well, he's Daredevil. But You know what? He was okay as a character. Mm-hmm. I wanted to know how Moon Knight played. I liked Blade and Go- oh, Ghost Rider. Oh, whoa. He is a cool character. Uh, is that uh, one of the Xbox 360 exclusives? or is that- No, he's a, he's a story point. Oh, cool. You're going to get Ghost Rider, I, nice. I think. Nice. Very cool. Very cool. I think, I think uh, Moon Knight is like a exclusive or something. Moon Knight I have already. I, I Moon, Moon Knight oh, you actually, do? Yeah, Moon Knight had, uh, I have on the way. So that, that was actually one of the first characters I got. I got. Right now I have the option to have uh, Ms. Marvel, Moon Knight, uh, the entire Fantastic Four, yeah. uh, Spider-Woman, Spider-Man, Iron Man, Captain America, Wolverine, and Deadpool, I think. What I thought was disappointing on this one compared to X-Men Legends 2 was like the costumes. Yeah. Like, X-Men Legends 2, there are so many different costumes, and, like, they just made random shit up half the time. Mm-hmm. And it was just really wacky and weird. And this time, it was all like, eh, okay. Yeah, well, I mean, they have, like, you know, World War II Captain America and, you know. Yeah, but that's, I don't know. I, I know what that looks like. And that's, like, the ultimate version anyway. Yeah, true, true. Yeah, but it, it, all in all, though, um, I, I'm happy with the Wii, and I can understand why there is so much of a demand. They just, if I were them at this point, I'd open up that damn factory. You know, I'd open up another one just to have more of them available. Have you gotten any of the uh, the Rayman Rabbit games yet? No, I do have we. Uh, I do, however, have WarioWare, mm-hmm. which is a lot like that from the looks of things. It's it's a, another one of those mini game ones where you know you're like uh, no, you need you need to get one of them Rabbit games because those things are like on crack. Yeah. You'll play that and be like. What the fuck were they thinking yeah. when they designed this? Because they have to be shooting something up. WarioWare is crazy, though. All right, you have like well, levels where you got to pick somebody's freaking nose. All right, well that's that's kind of weird and gross, but I mean the Rayman Rabbit games, they're just. It, I I think it takes it to another level. Yeah. Because I did play like a little bit of the Wario game when I was at my my friend's house, mm-hmm. but um and I and I played the Rabbit game too, and I liked the Rabbit game a lot more. Yeah. Because it, it was actual like mini games, whereas Wario, you kind of did one thing real quick and then you won or lost. Right, right. To me, anyway. Yeah. What do you think of uh, the new PlayStation Three uh, ad campaign? The whole twirly, herky jerky, transforming things. Yeah. Do you want it? Do you need it, ladies and gentlemen? Yeah, it's all right. I, I certainly like the Wii ones better, where they're like, "Would you like to play?" I like the music on that. And that yeah. What I find fun about those commercials for PlayStation 3, though, is that they finally are showing game footage. It took them a year. Before now, they never showed game footage in their frickin' commercials. It's like, well, I don't really remember any PS3 commercials from before. The only, the only ones were that one with, like, the exploding baby. Like, they had, like, the, uh, like the, baby, like the baby doll that, like, had, like, the exploding head. Oh, yeah, it was, like, the, the levitating things. Yeah. Yeah, it was the baby or something, and they're just in this white room, and then you saw the PS3, and it's like the pillar from 2001 or something. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I remember that. And they were stupid. Yeah, because they had nothing to do with anything. Now, at least, and although funniest quote out of this whole campaign, a friend of mine goes up to me and says, "Oh yeah, so so I heard that new PlayStation 3 commercial. It was, it was pretty good." Although I'm still not buying a PlayStation 3. I will, however, illegally download the song, though. 
And that's exactly what, what, what I did and what a bunch of other people did. You know, they went out there, they got the song, but they're not buying a PlayStation 3. Well, the fact that it costs 600 bucks, I'm sure, is a huge stopgap for a lot of people. When I bought my Wii, it was my Wii, Wii Play, Paper Mario, a Nunchuck, the component cables, and that cost me altogether, I think, 375 mm-hmm. which is not even enough to buy a PlayStation 3. Yeah, and a game. Yeah, so that, that, that's, that's kind of sad. I was um, catching up on, over on uh, IGN. They've like on the gear section. They've been doing re- reviews of like these new um, peripherals for the Wii, the Wii Zapper, and this new thing from Nyko. Yeah. Basically, for the shooting games. And the Wii Zapper, I, I looked at it and they had a video review of it. it uh, basically, it's like a Tommy Gun thing. You put your Wii remote on the very front of the thing, uh-huh. and then you tuck in your cord somewhere on the m- controller, and then put your nunchuck on the back. Oh, cool. So you've got both hands on the controller and you aim it up kind of like a rifle. Mm-hmm. But they said they had problems with like the trigger or something. Right. The trigger doesn't really respond or something like that. So then now there's like this $15 Nyko peripheral. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, it's a gun holster and you put the re- Wii mote on the top. Mm-hmm. And then um, there's also a slot. You can plug your nunchuck, the cord, into the bottom of the gun. Uh-huh. So it acts just basically just like another... More, acts more like the the Wiimote than anything. Oh, cool. And they said that trigger on that was a lot better, and it, it felt a lot better just aiming a real gun at the thing rather than, like, you know, two hands moving your whole body. Right, yeah. I'm, I'm going to have to check that out then because I, I was thinking of getting those zappers. Maybe I'll just get the Nyko one instead. Nyko makes good stuff. And it's only 15 bucks, so, yeah. you know, if it's cheap, you can just buy another one if you break it or something. I, I actually just got the Nyko uh, recharger, which actually adds so much functionality to it because you don't have to go running for the batteries every time it runs out. You know, mm-hmm. just, I, all I do is like once I'm done playing, I put it back in the recharger, and next time I go to play, it's all charged and ready to go. Good place to keep do your Wii Motes, also. Do they use um, rechargeable battery? They use like double A's or something on the um, Wii Mote. No, actually, uh, well, yeah, that's on well, yeah, lithium no, ion or something. Yeah, they, they use double A's. However, these are like a proprietary Nyko uh, rechargeable battery that fits right into the slot. And you don't even have to worry about replacing the batteries. That's just the Nyko chargers. Oh, yeah. I used to have those for my Game Boy Advance. Yeah. Yeah, those were really good. I used to like that. Yeah. And it, it, the only difference is that, uh, you, you know, they even come with their own, like, battery pack top where you're able to use that. Yeah. And there's, like, some metal thing. So it plugs right in there and right. charges it up like a cell phone. That's the exact same way it works. Let's let's move on. Uh, you wanted to talk the uh, Dark Knight trailer, right? Yeah. What did you think of it? Loved it. Thought it was the best Me too. Thing ever. Um, Got to see it at least four times. I think I've already seen it eleven times. <laughs> Just on that website. I, I down. I, you know, I, I immediately showed it to my dad, and my dad was impressed. And he doesn't even like read comics or anything like that. But he, he I mean, he saw the Batman Begins, obviously, because I bought it and he watched it and he loved it. But his jaw was like dropping. Because yeah. that is the best Joker that's ever been portrayed. I can't even see Heath Ledger. There's nothing there mm-hmm. in in that trailer. Oh, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. And his voice was very Mark Hamill. 
that's what I thought. I didn't get a real Jack Nicholson vibe off off of it. It sounded really sinister, like Mark Hamill did. Yeah, a lot, a lot less so than the teaser trailer because in the teaser trailer it sounded Jack Nicholson, but in this full trailer it's much more Mark Hamill. My favorite shot in that trailer is the Joker with the bazooka, and they show him shooting it, and just the face he makes as he's shooting it. He's got like this big like grin on his face. He's like, mm, "That kicked." He's like, "That was awesome." Mm, yeah. <laughs> Definitely my favorite shot, though, is that first shot you see a Joker, where he's sitting there in the cell, and, you know, Commissioner Gordon's, like, explaining how his, his clothes are homemade, no tags, and, uh... Knives you know, and lint. Knives and lint, that's all he had, and, hello, Commissioner. Commissioner. <laughs> that was just oh. so incredible. My favorite shot of the Joker is just the beginning, where he's like, you're just a freak, like me, and... Oh, and can I say that I already like Maggie Gyllenhaal better? She looks a l- really nice in that one shot that she's in. Every single thing Maggie Gyllenhaal does is gold. I have never seen anything that she has done that she's not been good in. The whole uh-huh. Gyllenhaal family is just great stuff. I mean, I'm liking her so much more than I will ever like Katie Holmes. If the Joker, like, touches her or kisses her, isn't that kind of like... I mean, he's already kissed her brother. Wouldn't that just be weird? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, so moving on. Thank you for absolutely creeping me out there. You're welcome. Yeah, what do you think of the new bat suit? I finally got to see some like better pictures of it. I guess I'm liking it a little more than I did, I did when we first reviewed those pictures. Right. Way back on comic timing. I mean, like I said, I still think it looks a lot more like the costu- like the actual current comic book costume than the last one did. Yeah, I got to depart from you there. Okay. Because the comic book, he's just wearing latex. I don't, I don't see your, your distinction. Okay, it's more slimline. I don't know. In my head, this feels so much more Batman than the last one did. Mm-hmm. You know, like I can imagine him wearing this, even though he does just wear latex. And in the comic books, it feels like this is almost like a bat armor. My only gripe with it is I think the bat symbol, now that it's the straight edge thing that they use on the logos and stuff, should have been bigger. As I, big as the one was on the first one, because you can barely see it. That I'll agree with. That I'll agree with. If they would have made that bigger, the whole thing would have been better. And, I mean, the, the yellow, you know, when he had that yellow oval on his chest in the movies? Mm-hmm. You could see that one, because it had yellow on it. Oh, sure, yeah. I, I, I mean, I, to this day, and though, I still find anytime, it ridiculous. Anytime Batman has just the plain black bat symbol, it goes across from, like, nipple to nipple. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the way it should be, like in the last movie. So that's my main gripe with it. Everything else looks fine yeah, we'll for def- now. We'll definitely be seeing it when it comes out. And you want to touch a little bit on the uh, New Frontier trailer real quick? Well, yeah. Before we recorded this, um, IGN just posted up on their DVD page a new trailer for the New Frontier. shows more stuff than uh, previous stuff we've seen. It's not just the Hal Jordan test animation of the cockpit exploding like on the uh, Superman Doomsday DVD. Here we get to see Adam Strange. You can see Hal Jordan like actually moving in the Green Lantern suit. You see Superman moving, you see Wonder Woman, I think you see Batman, and you, they do show that shot at the very end where everybody's walking. They do show the big alien menace at the end, which I thought was kind of weird that they showed that, but it looks, you know, it looks it looks good. You don't get any voices, though. Uh-huh. You just get, like, the words, like, from the creators of Superman Doomsday and the exciting mind of um, executive producer Bruce Timm, the new frontier. Like in white words. So, in other words, we've still gotten more voices in that little like New Frontier trailer they did for the DVD than we do in this trailer. Yeah, this seems more like another teaser. You know what I mean? Yeah, but it's coming out soon, right? January, I think, and January. Huh. Yeah, I would have thought by now they would have showed a little more. 
and the uh, the new Hellboy two trailer is supposed to come out tomorrow. Cool, cool. Which would it'll be out by the time this comes out. I'm I sure. Still, I still have to see Hellboy one, but what are you gonna do? Oh, that's a good movie. Yeah, I know, I know. Well, I've heard good things, and I'll, I'll see it eventually. But you know, I'll, I think actually a buddy of mine has it, so I'll, I'll just try, I'll just borrow it from him before the second one comes out. You should. All right. I liked it. Yeah. Well, nine out of ten Brents can't be wrong. <laughs> I don't even know want to meet the other eight Brents. Oh boy, look out! All right. Uh, anything else we wanted to cover, or is that it? Uh, I don't think so. Okay, cool. All right, well, yeah, we're we're past the hour mark at this point for a show that I like to keep around like an hour, like a, to a half hour, 45 minutes. So, like I said, it's more like an old version of Geek Speak. But before we go here, actually, uh, let's get you your geek music because, again, I haven't done this in forever, so I want to at least get some of the action in. This is a song from Octung uh, Spitfire Schnell Schnell. Yes, you're damn right. That's exactly what they're called. And it's called I Want to Be Your Dork. Let's check this out right now, and we'll be back in uh, about uh, four minutes or so. Now, look, kid, let's get something straight right now. You're the one that wants to be a star, not me.
All right, there we go with Octon Spitfire Schnell Schnell with I Want to Be Your Dork. How's that for you? I don't know, it sounded like some out of the 50s. Yeah? With the electric piano. 50s in and screaming into the mic, which I'm still not a fan of. <laughs> eh, what are you going to do? But uh, yeah, if you do enjoy that and music like that, you can go over to the uh, Podshow Podsafe Music Network over at music.podshow.com. That's where I get all that music. And, uh, yeah, I think that's pretty much all for this episode here. And, like I said, back in January, we'll have a brand-new episode of the Geese Peak Report, part of the co-host challenge, and Brent Casina is not part of that. Sorry, Brent. I only have one thing to say. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. Let the games begin! It's over. All right. The email address for GeekSpeak remains speakgeekspeak at gmail.com. That's S-P-E-A-K-G-E-E-K-S-P-E-A-K at gmail.com. Once again, music for the show is provided by the Podshow Podsafe Music Network over at music.podshow.com. And I want to thank D-Wux, Jeffrey Tosser, Pixie Tricks, Shonen Samurai, and Zircon for the opening and closing theme to the GeekSpeak Report. You can find their music and a whole lot more over at ocremix.org. Also want to thank Gucci for the music. It's myspace.com slash Gucci for him. And, uh, yeah, if you want to do Podcast Alley and iTunes and all that crap, you can go ahead and do that. And, Brent, uh, you want to plug anything real quickly? Comic Time. Oh, yeah. I've never heard about that. What's that show about? It's about this uh, this host named Brent and this um, co-host named Ian. And they talk about comics and occasionally have um, some interesting people on. Oh, interesting. You know. Good, good, good. I'm glad to see that you're hosting your own show. That's fantastic. Uh, all right, speakgeekspeak.com slash comic time for that. And uh, whenever uh, uh, Sean and Jim air his BK's bullets that they do, I'm not even going to ask you to ask Yeah, we'll let you know. I mean, because we know what's upcoming. We've said it like seven times. But All right, and here we go. First time I've been able to say this for a while. <clears throat> Have a great week. Enjoy your geek. And we'll see you next time here on a Geek Speak Report. Later, guys. The only thing, though, is I have to actually take my weak condom off every time I use it. <laughs> I mean, seriously, what else are these things? You know, these little, like, they came with these, uh... Nintendo started giving these out for free. These little, you know, things to put on the Wii Wiimote so they don't slip out of your hands. They're pretty much condoms. <laughs> I would think that they make some padded ones so it doesn't bust a hole in your TV when you throw it at it. Well, that's exactly what this is, man. Just, just, they need a they need a they need a, a TV condom for your remote. I haven't said this in a while because I haven't done a geek in a while. Yeah, those are called wee tarts. <laughs> you don't want to be wee tart, all right? Don't throw something through your remote. All right, thank you.